0: If you like going to the beach and it makes you happy, you're gonna wanna go to the beach constantly. But if you go to the beach and you're just neutral about it, you'll never wanna go to the beach. The money is like the beach. You want that gratification, you have to seek it out and you have to do whatever it takes to make it.
1: Welcome everyone to Do Well and Do Good. You're here because you have the desire to create financial freedom, but you also want to make a powerful, positive impact on the world. This podcast exists to tell the inspiring stories of men and women who have achieved both, people who do well and do good. I'm your host, Dorothy Ilson, and I'm here to help you discover proof that individuals have the ability to make a massive impact. Welcome back everyone to episode 84 of the show. Today's guest is my friend, Legacy Perez. Legacy is a world renowned b-boy and break dancer that has inspired street dancers from all over on how to turn their talent into real income. He made it to the finals of the hit TV show, So You Think You Can Dance, before going on to work with an endless list of artists. I'm talking people like Gwen Stefani, Mariah Carey, Justin Bieber, and Rihanna, and that's truly just to name a few. He's also appeared on ABC's Dancing with the Stars and feature films such as the Step Up franchise, But Legacy's ambitions eventually took him beyond dancing to today, where he's the founder of a seven-figure real estate business, a sought-after speaker, and a transformational coach for other entrepreneurs. I am so excited for you to hear Legacy's story, especially about how he took a massive leap of faith, leaving Miami with less than $300 in his pocket to go make his dreams as a dancer come true. And the way that he leveraged some of the same skills in transitioning to real estate and finding success in a completely different industry. But before we jump into my conversation with Legacy, I want to remind you to make sure you're following me on Instagram. That's the best place to stay on top of what's going on with the show and to get a peek into my own entrepreneurial journey. You can find me at Dorothy Ilson. That's D O R O T H Y. I-L-L-S-O-N. And now, without further ado, here's my chat with the inspirational Legacy Perez. Legacy, welcome to Do Well and Do Good. What's up? What's up? (laughs) Excited to be here. Oh, gosh. Well, Legacy, to fill our listeners in on how we met, you were the guest expert speaker at a mastermind that I'm a part of last summer. And the reason that I knew I wanted to have you on the show was that I was not only blown away by your story, but honestly, even more so by this unmistakable positive energy that you bring into a room. So for all of my listeners out there, this conversation is a long time in the making. And Legacy, I'm absolutely jazzed
0: to have you here. Awesome. Thank you once again for meeting you the first time we met briefly. And then just, just what you're doing is amazing. So I'm, I'm just on board supporting everything you're doing. So
1: well, let's dive straight into your story. so tell me you know you grew up in Miami. What was life like for you growing up, and
0: what was the mindset around money and success that was instilled in you? Okay, so Miami for me obviously my my parents i'm I'm Latin, so my parents uh you know were were low. Medium to low income household. I didn't. I didn't have uh, money growing up. I used to have the same shoes for years until I grew out of them or until they got really, literally, the soles would come off. and And not to say that we were poor, but it's like I grew up with the fundamentals that money, like with everyone else. And I try not to let it get to me, but money was evil. People with money are a certain way. You shouldn't try to be like them or be around them because they're just, it just, there was a big separation with people that had money and people that hadn't. And it was almost like the justification to be humble is the fact that you didn't have money. And growing up, that's kind of what the the mindset for me was until I realized that I wanted to break the status quo. I wanted to do what's called perturbation, which is break the status quo and actually be different. And my journey started uh, being a dancer. I, I, I had physical, emotional anger because my mom and my brother, when I was nine years old, left to Columbia and I developed a physical twitch where I would hit myself in my body. And still of that, I'm still trying to figure out what that is, if it's a habit or if it's something neurological. But I know that I know that exact time when I started feeling it because I, I got into my first fight. I had the highest physical fitness achievement award. I had this energy that was unmistakable, but at the same time, I needed to release the energy, and that's how I did it, by twitching, hitting myself, and putting my 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 chin to my shoulder, et cetera. And from that moment, I remember that anger and going through middle school into high school. What I found was dance, this guy that was in my class, Leo Molina, was doing a a show and tell. And I literally said, oh, my goodness, my eyes lit up and my heart started pounding. And I said, I want to learn this movement because I knew that if I did that movement, I can hide my twitches with dance moves. And so from that moment, I became the best dancer in the world, right, hiding this movement of twitching. Uh, I was ashamed, embarrassed to the point where I was, i was, you know, I, I was so embarrassed that I, people would say, hey, why do you twitch? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And just avoid it. My mom would take me to doctors. And, and the whole, I share with you the story is because a lot of times we grow up and we don't, as kids, we don't really feel that our problems are valid and we push them away and, and we suppress them. What I've realized is having pain and I have this, this new venture I'm doing called Pain to Power, where if you look at the origination of my, what I call an ailment or something that w- I was embarrassed about and I transformed it to power, I became one of the most sought after dancers in the world, dancing for all, all the artists, Gwen Stefani, Chris Brown. And it's not because I was the best dancer, but because I was expressive so much that my dance movement comes from something comes from something deep down. Uh, and I think that that's what people see. That's what people register. And that's why they say when they look at me, they, that they feel dance. They don't just see it, they feel it. And so the whole money thing for me was when I started getting paid to dance, I realized, meaning I would go do shows, bar mitzvahs, and little things around town. And then finally, I made a big move from, I was sitting in a movie theater and you got, uh, watching You Got Served in Miami. And I'm sitting there watching the movie and I look at my friend, I was like, yo, how is that guy that we know we battled in competitions before, how is he there on the big screen in the movies? I wanna do that. And he said, well, the auditions are in Los Angeles. So I got up, my popcorn spilled, my drink spilled and I walked out and he goes, where are you going? And I looked at him and I was like, I'm moving to LA. And he's <laughs> like, dude, I'm coming with you. Took off $240 in my pocket, got to New Orleans and realized that we didn't have enough money So we ran out of gas and we street performed on Bourbon Street for donations. We made 600 bucks. We stayed in a hotel that night because we were balling, making that money. You know, just the donations were were enough to be like, wow, I I made more money now than I did leaving, which was a great revelation for me to continue to go. And then as I got to Los Angeles, went to Third Street Promenade, street performed there, got arrested because you need a permit. They let us go, obviously, and went to City Hall, got a permit, couch surfed for a little bit. And from the day I arrived in Los Angeles, exactly 30 days, I landed a commercial, USA Network commercial. And then I realized I wanted to dance for artists. So I started learning movement from other people so that I can get behind artists and use myself as a two-part two uh, hiree, which would be a specialty which is what I do a b-boy and spin on my head and flip and also a choreography dancer which led me to go on So You Think You Can Dance. But exactly three hundred and sixty five days from when I arrived in Los Angeles, I booked a national, a worldwide tour with Gwen Stefani, uh, the Harajuku Lovers tour. And it went from two thousand five, we worked with her two thousand six and up to two thousand seven on her next tour. So it was an amazing run, but I, I realized that money for me even then as a Latin male, I was attached to material things. My identity was attached to material things. On tour, I made a lot of money and not a lot. When In retrospect to a dancer, I made over six figures. And so I bought myself an Acura NSX, a 91, which was my dream car. Had it up on my vision board, <laughs> bought it. I literally bought myself gold jewelry from Thailand. I bought myself every pair of Jordans because one wasn't enough. And I, this was me. I was like, I got money. I've I got car. I got my, you know, I got my thing. I'm, I'm set. And uh, shortly after that, I realized that that was just a big mistake to have taken all my money and spend it all because I ended up being on. So you think you can dance. And by being on that show, people thought I made it because my name became household, but what happened was the people that were hiring me before thought that I had made it too. And it's what's called out of sight, out of mind. And I was gone. And so when I got off the show, there was no work for me. And instead, I had to pay for my savings what it was costing me to be on the show. And on the, you're on the show for free because you're you're in a competition. And so I lost everything, literally everything. From the moment uh, I got off the show, everything was starting to go downhill. Was doing jobs here and there, but not like Dave Scott was like, "Hey man, I got a show." Hey man, I got a commercial. Hey man, I got. It was like the the other kids were coming up, the other new kids that were in town, the younger ones, the you know whatever it was. And I was just like, "Wow." That's when I had to create that mindset of what you're saying—the shift in money and say, wow, I need to learn how to invest. I need to learn how to take this to another level and learn about why my relationship with money was so negative, that even till recently, I realized the people that feel that the relationship with money is unknown, or they don't really understand it and have a grasp is because you don't have gratification when you receive it. I had an epiphany like a few a few weeks back, where it was like, wow, I've Spoken with millionaire friends of mine and they light up when they have money in their hands when they're making money and i'm like i don't have that feeling therefore i'm not chasing that feeling which is going after and not chasing the money but like if if something makes you feel good if you like going to the beach and it makes you happy you're gonna want to go to the beach constantly but if you go to the beach and you're just neutral about it you'll never want to go to the beach the money is like the beach. You want that gratification, you have to seek it out and you have to do whatever it takes to make it.
1: It's such a powerful story, right? And especially, you know, coming from Miami and, you know, seeing this person on the movie screen and and thinking, you know, that's where I need to be. And then taking that action to actually go and find your way to LA and then having this experience of making money and then spending it all. I mean, it sounds like I'm sure this time in your life was a very Emotional period where you're really learning a lot about yourself. So, you know, I'm curious as you went through this process of making money, then losing it, then, you know, finding yourself in this difficult situation, how did your emotional relationship with money shift? And, you know, was that tied into, you know, your deeper feelings about yourself and your value,
0: your worth? You know, how does all that play together? I mean, absolutely. I, I believe like what you just said, you, the emotional, we all have this emotional feeling with money and it's either good or bad. So if you have a good relationship with money, amazing. If you don't, there's, there's like self-worth issues. There's things that may arise from you not being accustomed to getting paid a certain amount of money to do something that's unique, like my dancing. I would just, take it as, okay, I'm dancing and people are paying me and that's it. I would never know my actual value until I got seasoned and older to understand my value. And that's what shifted. It's it's me realizing what my value was. And if I was adding value to other people in general, whether it be through feeling of dance or eat, whether it be through Coaching and helping people develop these abilities to see past their limiting beliefs and uh, and and you know make money beyond their, beyond their wildest dreams and then etc. So for me it's it's having that emotional shift and it's it's not like it's like one day I woke up and it's shifted and yes all right perfect it's an everyday work towards what I truly want to feel with receiving money or by making money and you'd be surprised once you start to feel it money starts coming in ridiculously. People say, oh, it's like magic. And it's not, it's just abundant mentality. If you're not afraid of not getting something, then why wouldn't you receive it when you're doing the actions to get it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think what you said about you know it's it's a continuous process. We talk about this relationship with money, right? And it really is like a relationship. I mean, you can't you can't get married or you get a boyfriend or a girlfriend, and you guys you know work on your communication for week one, and then you're set, right? I mean, it's just it's it's never ending, and so I think that's a really important point. And it starts with getting really honest with yourself, right? And especially honest about you know what. What are these beliefs that are ingrained in you that maybe you've never recognized before, or actually faced, or, or, or realized, given a name to? So, I think that's so important. Well, legacy. Like I want to I want to shift gears a little bit because you you made it to the top two percent of paid dancers, but then you made this massive shift. So, what caused you to go into real estate and make such a big transition?
0: You know a lot of people ask me why those two separate verticals they're totally opposite from each other one is totally dance the other one's investment business and money it's like for me it's like what perfect combination of having proof that what i did in one industry can allow me to see success in a completely different industry and looking at it it's like i i see that real estate for me i actually don't like real estate i love the transactions of real estate and what they what it brings. I love the communication with people. I love the negotiation. I love the sales aspect of it. I love taking a home from a before to after and seeing the, the transformation. I love transformation. I don't like houses. I don't like dust. I don't like baseboards. I don't like <laughs> flooring, ceiling joists, rafters. I don't like the roof, shingle. I don't like any of that. I love the transactional aspect of it, which brings me to say there's people that shift industries and don't know what they're in love with. Therefore, they can't get up in the morning and effortlessly study and work on what they're doing. I find the key to wanting to work with people, then getting knowledge on this and applying it to my real estate investment company, thus growing exponentially in a short amount of time. And I, you know, obviously I, I devote the time, but I think it's, it's giving back to my mentors have a big component in my shifts, but more importantly, my not interest, but my commitment in learning it and being the best at it like I did with dance.
1: I mean, I think this this whole idea of transformation, right? I mean, I think when you've created something of yourself in one area it can be difficult to break out of that and i you know you currently you coach entrepreneurs and so you know better than anyone that fear is you know really tied to all of the decisions that we make or the decisions that we don't make and so you know i'm curious what was that experience like for you when you were first starting in real estate? You knew this was something you wanted to do. You know, what was it about you, your confidence, or um, you know, or, or your mindset that allowed you to make such a shift? That is, I'm sure, terrifying, right?
0: Yeah, you know, I'm gonna tell you. Uh, and a great question, by the way. I, I'm gonna say that there was no confidence. There was zero certainty. I had all the fear that you can imagine. Any normal person would have going and investing multiple five figures on an education to learn how to do something with no guarantees. I look at it, and I can tell you that I remember specifically the exact moment when I said, wait a second, if I can obsess, if I can obsess passion, passion is okay. Obsession is key. If I can obsess like I did with dance, what would that look like? And I said, I remember dancing eight, nine hours a day. I remember trying a move 5,000 times until I got it. I remember trying it the opposite way to see if I was better the other way. Like if I'd spun to my right, I want to spin to my left. Like I remember getting up in the middle of the night and having an idea of a dance move and actually doing it while half asleep, writing it down going to sleep, waking up and trying again in the morning, then going to school, trying into school, coming back. And so the reason I'm painting this picture for you is I wanted you to see, and I want the people that are listening to actually see the effort and the obsession that I had with dance and the realization that moment I said, if I can take that energy, that little boy's commitment to excellence and put it into real estate, I will succeed there's no way I can't. I will burn the ships behind me. I will conquer the island and I will succeed. And there's no doubt about it. And from that moment, I realized it was like, wow, let's get to work. And now it becomes, let's not look at the destination because the destination, when you're talking about multiple steps, looks so chaotic that, that, like Mel Robbins says, the five second rule—you'll quit, you'll stop. There's just too much. There's overwhelm, and what I did was I focused on one step at a time. Learning vocabulary, the the language, the the steps, the processes, the systems, the acknowledging the the materials, the numbers, the the labor, the work, the contractors, the who I benefited, and all of this compiled into one step at a time is what led to success.
1: I just couldn't agree more. I mean, just look at the obstacle that's right in front of you today, this very minute and handle that. And then the next obstacle is going to appear. And it's like that analogy. I mean, you can drive from Miami to Los Angeles in the dark because your headlights are going to keep showing you the next 20 feet in front of you. And if you just keep seeing that next 20 feet and taking it as it comes, you know, you're know, you you're going to get there. So you know, I absolutely love that. One thing that you touched on uh, a little bit, and I want to dive into, is this idea of mentorship and self-education. Because you obviously you knew nothing about real estate, you knew nothing about flipping houses, and now here you are, you know, doing seven-figure deals. How did you get that initial momentum and learn the skills, the vocabulary? You know, learn what you needed to actually do to make this happen.
0: It was finding out what was the key components. And then studying top to bottom, whether I was learning. uh, And I'm telling you this, I'm going to tell you this. When I started real estate, June 1st, 2013, I had zero idea what anything real estate related was. I had no vocabulary. I didn't even know. I used to call the actual ceiling the roof. And my contractor would be like, yeah, that's not the roof. And I'd said it about nine or 10 times. (laughs) But the magic happens when you're, when you self- acknowledge when you haven't with a consciousness decision that oh I'm saying something wrong or I'm saying something that I could say differently or I'm saying something that I need to learn and actually replacing it right you're literally replacing the words that you're using so then your vocabulary starts to grow and instead of going you know hey can you take that piece right there and put that there and paint that and put the little thingy inside there it's hey can you take the baseboard Put it over the actual floorboard and, and the flooring material, the oak wood, and then putting a piece of caulk, a caulking in the middle of that so that the light doesn't, doesn't go there, and then putting primer and paint over it. Now you're speaking real estate. Now you can talk a language that people, it's like t- talking to the agents. It's like, hey, you know, I can let you uh, get two sides of the thing and, and you could get paid double, which is awesome because it benefits you to going, hey, By the way, during this transaction, you could actually double end it, which means you could represent me on the buy side and represent me on the sell side. That means you will double end the deal and then possibly get another listing from a marketing campaign that I'm doing. And it's like, what the heck? That's all practice. I had zero vocabulary to what you just heard, a brief synopsis of like real estate language, which then allows me to go into any industry and own what i'm saying therefore becoming a speaker
1: and you had to invest in this knowledge right i mean this wasn't <laughs> something to talk to me about that you know how you got a
0: mentor and really learned learned this when you pay you pay attention and i don't say that as a sales tactic or anything i say that because if i said to you hey i've got the answer to everything i need from you your full attention and i give you access to all my knowledge you are just going to keep doing what you do. If I say to you, hey, uh, you will reciprocate with giving me energy, which is money. And I, in turn, you're going to put that on the line. Therefore, you're going to do the work that I tell you you're going to do. So when I invested in myself, I knew that I, that was, I don't know if you know this, but I invested all of what I had in its entirety i even sold my car pawned my jewelry and sold my motorcycle to be able to afford what i call my mentorship i don't recommend anyone do that if you don't have the resilience and you don't have the if you have the ability to quit i wouldn't recommend that but if you are a person that jumps off a cliff and builds a plane on the way down and you're that type of entrepreneur or person then go ahead and do it but my thing was i gave everything so either I was going to lose it and start from scratch, which I was okay. I was like, I've still got my health. I'm still alive. I'll figure it out. Or I was like, I'm going to obsess and make it happen and become this person that makes lots of money real estate in real estate. And because of my resilience, that was the outcome. So to answer your question, it was my lingo came from practicing constantly on family members. I would just call them and talk random things about real estate. And they're like, what the heck are you calling me for? I'm just, I'm practicing. I'm practicing, <laughs> and so it's funny, you know, it's funny.
1: Yeah, and I mean, what you're saying about you know, investing yourself and in really burning the bridges—that's what I did when I started my agency too. And you invested thirty thousand dollars that I didn't have into someone to teach me how to do this. And so, you know, I agree, it does. You have to be the person that you know that can do that and that's going to back that up with the work and the the obsession i love how you put it that way but you know i think sometimes you just have to take that leap and so legacy now you have moved into you know you're still running your real estate business but you're also coaching entrepreneurs and you and i after we met on that mastermind call you actually offered to hop on an individual call with me and what was absolutely mind blowing i mean i don't even know another word for it is truly within probably 15 minutes of you and i talking you were able to just cut through all of my bullshit and identify the real issues and and really the the mindset issues that were holding me back in my business and so you know now you're doing that for other entrepreneurs officially as opposed to just uh, you know casually like we did so i'm curious legacy you know what do you see as being the biggest or most common issues that hold people back? And what advice would you give to our listeners who,
0: you know, maybe feel like they're stuck? Well, that's a great question. I appreciate you bringing that up. That we worked, you know, together to figure out some of the limiting beliefs and blockages and all that. I love that because I think the first thing is the humility to to allow someone to mentor you to actually say, "Hey, this is something that." You're not seeing and you're and the ability to adapt is huge. But I think obviously what i've I've found is like people's patterns, like what Tony Robbins says, People have patterns. And what I found the biggest contributing factor to someone's lack of success or someone's inability to succeed or things that hold them back, is their actual fear of things that have been planted from when they were a kid. And it starts back then, but I think that one of the biggest components is when you're growing up, you have we have these beliefs instilled in us. And I think that what I've done to as advice to get people to break those beliefs is one is accountability. That's for sure, because we all want to be significant to some degree. And that's one of the six basic human needs. And when somebody tells us, hey, do something and you, you, you want to make them proud, you in turn start to learn how to make people proud but then you start to become proud of yourself because of the effort and the things that you're working that's also a big mindset shift that that I, I help people with but taking what people have done and revamping it and saying hey listen you think this way ABC I have proof that multi-millionaires and people that are super happy and successful and run their beautiful life and they're amazing and have family and kids and whatever it is that you picture you want to paint, I know that they think of your A, B, and C, and they think of it as D, E, F. And, And what that looks like is it's just a different perspective. It's a different way of thinking. It's a different way of understanding. It's what they were taught. By other people that succeeded in that area and then showed them how to do the same whether it be in relationships health business wealth like all of it it's like there's a proven system a proven pattern and and it varies but it doesn't vary where i feel like money's evil but i'm still gonna go try to become a millionaire where somebody might think that money's not evil which is the new me is like money's not evil, money is a resource. I can make money to give more money away. Therefore, now it becomes, wow, that mindset is what generates the money because it's not generating, I'm sorry. That mindset is what allows and gives you permission to accept money because if you in your heart believe that you don't deserve something, you don't get it. And there's a, uh, I'll, I'll finish this part with a, with a quote. We give ourselves what we feel we deserve what we feel we deserve, not what we think, not what we assume, not what we would like. We give ourselves what we feel we deserve. And so if you deep down inside without you knowing, so unconscious incompetence, you don't know that you don't know that you have this fear of making money or earning or deserving, then you will not get it. And that's super simple. That's as simple as I can put it. But the advice that I give people is just being able to first acknowledge where your negative thoughts are coming from, and writing them down so you can clearly see, ah, I was just negative. Crap, what does that mean? And then finding somebody to literally say, hey, I've identified this. Why don't you do this instead? And it's not putting something in place. It's replacing it with actually new behavior.
1: Mic drop. I just... Legacy I'm blown away by you and I could not agree more and I think that it's this deep emotional work that is really what most people who are struggling in their business really need. It's not another tactic on Facebook ads or you know how to you know fix this tweak on your website to to get more sales. It's it's about fixing what's going on in the conversation in your head that you're having with yourself and once you do that then the other pieces will fall into place but if you just worry about the tactics and you know the the tips and the strategies on you know the the business specifically but you don't fix what's going on in your head then those tactics aren't going to help you
0: you're a thousand million percent correct and I couldn't agree more
1: well so legacy I want to really close out this conversation by you know talking about really what do well and do good is all about which is you know the way that creating this success in our lives allows us to give back and really help other people. So, you know, I'm curious, what does fulfillment mean to you and, you know, how has this success that you've created in real estate and now in coaching
0: allowed you to to really give back in a way that's meaningful to you? Going back to what I said earlier and I and I think it's important when people ask about like happiness I think people think happiness is something and I've learned to discover and still discovering that happiness, I used to think it was a mindset. And what I noticed is that if it was a mindset, then that means you could you would always be happy. What I think happiness is, is a series of s- small efforts done throughout the years that when you start reaping the benefits of those small actions and decisions, then you will start feeling a sense of overwhelm and happiness, overwhelm in a good way, and that feeling of happiness and fulfillment, which comes from those small actions you just did prior to that. So it's not like today I'm going to be happy because I carry myself very happy. I have a high vibration and I do that because I wake up and, and I'm excited about I know how to ignite myself. I light myself up. I turn on. I I'm on. I'm 100% always on point. Meaning I'm always wanting to give this energy out. It's it's effortless now. I do it because it's part of me. But I realize the true fulfillment, happiness inside comes from those small little increments of learning self development, seeking advice, learning how to ask for help. For me, it was it's it's that. And for the people listening, like. You should never be prideful to not ask someone for help. I think that's one of the biggest components that has shifted my life and my career and my business and everything that I was able to say, you know what? I finally need help. We can't do this alone. You know, and going back to your question, I find my fulfillment with going to Mexico and and feeding the the homeless kids and the families. I find it, I, I don't just try to help somebody to be part of my program, I don't bring on people that I don't think will fulfill themselves by giving back. Meaning I only help people that I see have the potential to give back because I want to create such a wave of clients. And you can't just say, all right, I want to be your client. It's like a, a whole process that allows me to see where you are and where you can possibly go. Because once I remove those blockages, Then you you go and you say, "Hey, Legacy, you made me make, you helped me get rid of my limiting beliefs, and now I'm making a million dollars a month. I just built six schools in Africa. That's what I I'm after. That testimonial. I'm not after somebody that's making a million dollars that wants to make a hundred million and is is a is a a hole uh, in society. Like I find my fulfillment in helping people find their fulfillment, as well as contributing back and." Selling a house and giving a house away in Mexico is something that I I love, and I'm starting to be a part of that. You know, there's a, a group that I belong to, which is a, a my one of my great friends uh, and great, great mentor, Cole Hatter, and he basically is the founder of Thrive, and he teaches you how to make more money, but how to make that money matter. So it's just like this whole circle of me. My whole circle is people that are wanting to give back. So of course, the fulfillment comes from being around people that. Are cheering for you to succeed and not people that are trying to hold you back and keep you the same.
1: I absolutely love that legacy. So thank you for sharing. And really, in that same vein, as you know, here on the show, we have what I call the Do Well and Do Good Challenge. So this is where I encourage our listeners who want to give back to contribute to the nonprofits that are nominated by my guests. So could you
0: tell me what organization you're nominating and why? I will nominate Claire's Place. Claire was a an amazing individual uh, she has passed recently. There was a movie that was actually made if you guys remember uh recently came out called uh six feet apart and basically it's she had cystic fibrosis and was twenty one years old and had made you know, she was an amazing soul just promoting trying to help other kids and you know she she just had this huge movement and she was only twenty one and was able to speak on stages and just um, had a compelling story at such a young age, wanting to give back to the world so much, that vision for me is is always going to be their predominant. And, and anyway, so Claire was a beautiful individual. This movement is to help kids, and it's like literally people that have that cystic fibrosis. And um, the reason it's so touching to me is because I see the excuses people make of not wanting to give back and waiting till I have to like give back when you have this beautiful person where she was like, even on the way down, I'm still going to uplift people, which is insane.
1: Oh gosh. I mean, I, I really can't thank you enough for, for nominating Claire's organization. I was, I was at Thrive Coal Hatters Conference um, last year, and the last day of the event was actually the day of Claire's memorial, and there there really wasn't a, a dry eye in the room. And so, to see everyone at, at that at that conference come together to raise money for Claire's Place, you know, was was powerful. And so, to to have um, you nominate her here is is really meaningful. So. Thank you for that legacy. And now, before we say goodbye, where can our listeners go to learn more about you, about your business, your coaching, and everything that you've got going on?
0: All right, so you can follow me on Instagram. That's kind of where I live right now. Legacy Perez, one L E G A C Y P E R E Z. The number one, uh, all across all handles on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, on uh, everywhere. And then, if you want, I mean, my coaching is very exclusive, and and I do that for obvious reasons, but if you if you're interested or if anybody's listening you'd have to email me and i'll send out it's a it's a it's a form so with your permission i'll give my email here and make sure if you come from listening to dorothy just make sure you mention her name and i'll give you guys uh, whoever it is i'll give you guys uh, you know some some love and some some stuff from it so it's legacy uh, legacy l e g a c y at behind tm.com so behind TM and it stands for behind the movement.com. So legacy at behind TM.com. And, um, that's my that direct email to, to my coaching. And, um, literally that's it. I mean, I, I constantly post stories. I have uh, legacy home vestments on Instagram too. If you want to follow my real estate page also on Facebook, and that's, that's pretty much it.
1: Legacy. Thank you so much for doing this with me today. It's been a lot of fun.
0: No worries. I appreciate you so much. And I'm so happy and thankful that you uh, brought me on.
1: All right, everyone, that's our show. Now, before I sign off, I want to introduce any new listeners to how the Do Well and Do Good Challenge works. There are two ways that you can participate. The first is if you are looking to do more to give back, I encourage you to contribute to any of the nonprofits nominated by my guests. Send a screenshot of your receipt Challenge at dowellanddogood.co, and and your donation will be included in our monthly tally of the tangible impact this podcast is having. The second way you can participate is absolutely free, and that's by voting. See, in the first couple days of each month, we host a vote inside of our free Facebook community to determine which of the nonprofits nominated the month before that I will then donate a portion of my advertising agency's profits to. It's an awesome way to make your voice heard, and we've been able to raise money for some incredible organizations doing good in the world. So if you'd like to be a part of it, then head over to dowellanddogood.co backslash Facebook, where you'll find a link to join the group. Once you're inside, I'm also sharing tips, ideas, resources, and more to help you both increase your income and your impact. We're having so much fun inside there. So head over again to dowellanddogood.co backslash Facebook, and I'll see you on the inside. It means the world to me to earn your time. So thank you so much for listening.